Hey, welcome to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, the podcast where I try to hear every song that has ever existed, a podcast on the Lughole Network. <laughs> I'm your host, James Crowley, and this week I've got a great episode for you. Uh, this week I spoke to New Jersey comedian Rory Patrick about comic books. And I know what you're thinking. This is a music show. Why are you talking about comic books? Well, basically, Rory and I each made 10-song playlists of songs that reminded us of comic books or graphic novels or certain things in comic books. Uh, so it's, it's very cool. And we talked a lot about the music, but also, you know, the individual comic books and the storylines and the influence they have and things like that. And it, it's such a fun episode because Rory's so knowledgeable about it. And I really, I really learned a lot and I really enjoyed talking to him about all these things. And I added a bunch of different books now to my reading list for this year, which I'm trying to read 52 books. So, you know, it was super cool. And there's so many that I want to check out now. Uh, but before I play you guys the audio, please follow Rory on Instagram. He's Rory Patrick Comics. That's comics with an X uh, on Instagram. And follow me on social media. I'm James P. Crowley on Instagram and TikTok. James P. Crowley 68 on Twitter. And the podcast is now on Instagram. James Crowley's Infinite Playlist on Instagram. I've been posting um, my individual tweets for MWE, which stands for Music Writer Exercise, which is where. Um, I listen to a different album every day and then I write a tweet about it. Um, so it, it's a lot of fun. I promote the episodes there and I try to post some music related content. Uh, and also if you like the podcast, please spread the word, please tell your friends, family, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, aunt, uncle, nephew, niece, everyone, your grandma, grandpa about the podcast. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a five star review on Apple podcasts. Uh, it's, it just helps get the word out. Uh, so guys, thank you for listening. And here's me and Rory. Let's hop right into it then. Um, All right, sounds good. Uh, so before we get into the playlist and things, uh, can you kind of just give me an idea of what you typically listen to? In the background, I see the Bruce Springsteen poster, which I love. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a Jersey boy through and through, but uh, you know, um, I like people always like to say they listen to a little bit of everything, and everyone kind of does. But I'm definitely like. Um, uh, a power pop type person like uh you'll we'll get to new pornographers a little later and very much um my music taste is very if you ever read the book uh, meet me in the bathroom by yeah. lizzie goodman, goodman that that's basically like what i gr grew up with i'm i think i'm about 10 years older than you based on like some of your references i'm 36 and uh that was like my college years of like yeah like uh the, the strokes and LCD sound system and all that, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's, I'm unabashedly like, again, I'm a, I'm a dad now and that's becoming the millennial dad rock that <laughs> I'm into, you know, a little bit. So that uh, it's, it used to be cool. It's not becoming cool anymore. I'm like, Oh, well, what are you going to do? You know, it's so funny when that book came out, I, I devoured it. Like I read that probably in like, I loved it. It was so good, but like <laughs> as someone that wasn't real, like I was into LCD sound system, I'd listened to a little bit of the strokes, but I hadn't fallen in love with it. So, but, so then when I read that, I had like a whole summer that that was just all I listened to. And <laughs> I just wanted to live like it was 2002. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, like they would reference specific bars like Dark Room. Uh, that I think they referenced Interpol being in Dark Room. And I'm like, I used to go to Dark Room and like, you know, get drunk and dance. <laughs> and they referenced this other bar, Pianos, which I was always like, people, my friends wanted to go to Pianos. And I was like, ah, I don't really like that bar. And then there's a whole chapter in that book about that bar sucked. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I wasn't, I wasn't crazy, you know, like I, I you know, wasn't too great about it but yeah i um that's definitely my scene of music so you know nice nice yeah i it's so funny that you mentioned piano because pianos is one of the few venues from that book that's still around um so yeah like, i think darkroom closed a few years ago so. yeah but i'd been to like one show there and i was like <laughs> this place does kind of suck <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Um, but so the theme you chose was comic books um, and like kind of songs that inspire, I don't want to say we're inspired by comic books, but songs that reminded us of comic books. Uh, can you kind of um, tell me why you chose that and, uh, you know, kind of your relationship with comic books? Yeah, I am mega comic nerd. So in the beginning of your show, you always say you want to listen to every song. Uh, I'm kind of like, I want to read every comic. Like I've like, and obviously that's an impossible thing, but uh, I've been reading comics basically since I could read. And uh, you know, you drift in and out of your fandom, just in same thing with music too. There's probably years where you, you know, didn't listen to a lot of new music too, but comics has always been like, just the way I guess you and I feel about music, just kind of like, you know, a comfort zone. It's like a, just a place you can like, just immerse yourself in. It's a, comics are definitely a little more of a lonely experience. Cause like music, you can go to a concert and whatnot with comic books. It's hard to be like part of a scene. So, and it's, it's not audio whatsoever. Some comic books have tried to like integrate music into there and kind of failed. So it was a kind of a challenge to like yeah. figure out this list, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, just, just an art I've been always, um, you know, you can see uh, this is a bad material for a podcast. But I got comic books hanging on the wall back yeah. here, too. So. I was wondering about that, but that's yeah. super cool. It's one of those things where as I've gotten older and I've tried to read more, I've definitely kind of tried to veer more into like comic books and graphic novels also just because like, um, you know, on my Instagram, I posted, I'm trying to read 52 books this year um, mm -hmm. and I can read like a graphic novel in like a sitting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it's still like productive and stuff. And I took a college course in uh, graphic literature. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like turned me on to a bunch of stuff. Graphic literature sounds so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call them all comic books. I, I, I don't try to class it up. I'm like, I, yeah, I understand there's like emotional ones and we'll get to those later. But yeah, I'm, I, they're all like 90% superheroes fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. I feel it's so, well, as we go, you know, yeah. kind of get into my uh, relationship with comics. But so something that I think is very cool is you also, we also sent each other the comics that we were thinking of as we were, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing this. So um, there's definitely a, a lot of moments that I'm kind of looking forward to asking you about, you know, the comics. Sure. In particular because I just kind of did a lot of background research but <laughs> didn't like dive into anything too much so I'm very excited there's a couple yeah. that I'm very stoked about yeah well I didn't want to trick you and, and put, send you some random song like I don't know what this is about so I'm like let me just <laughs> annotate this a bit give you what I'm thinking about so absolutely but yeah. uh let's hop right into it uh sure. your first pick was um 
I'm not even going to try the Italian, <laughs> but um, Ennio Morricone's The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly theme. Mm -hmm. uh, and the comic you had was Preacher. Yes. So tell me a little bit about this pick and Preacher. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you didn't go for the Italian title. I believe the uh, colloquial name is Ui Ui Wa Wa Wa. And I, just to set the scene for what kind of podcast it is, I screwed up immediately. I picked the wrong song or the wrong comic book. Um, this is actually from a comic book called Hitman, which is by the same writer, which came out at the same time. So I, I was like looking back, I'm like, now, where's the, I thought there was a chapter in this book called, like, they actually called it Ui Ui Ui, and, uh, but I couldn't find it. So Preacher came out in about 95 to 2000. Uh, they made a TV series about it, too, on AMC. I don't think it got well-reviewed. Um, and it's my all-time favorite comic. I just wanted to start with this right off the bat. It's my all-time favorite like work of art. It's like Desert Island, bring anything. It's like, well, you could bring one comic book and one movie. I'm like, ah, screw the movie. I'll just take this comic book. I love, love, love Preacher. Um, it's like, I guess the theme of the work is like, it's about like second chances in life. Uh, it's really also a tribute to America too, I feel, because the writer is Irish or Northern Irish. And but like in the book, you have you have Bill Hicks, the comedian, makes an appearance. You have um, McSorley's in New York City. They have a, an issue dedicated to that. Um, the writer is uh, Garth Ennis. Uh, he wrote. Um, he's probably now famous. His probably most famous comic now is The Boys, which is a very a hit show on um, Amazon Prime. Yes, I have. And um, heard a lot. I haven't watched The Boys, but I've heard a ton about I it. Watch, I watched the first season, and you're going to hear that a lot from me. It's like, oh, this guy loves comics, but he doesn't watch the TV shows or the movies. Like, ah, you know, I, I'll get around to him. Um, yeah, I reread I re Preacher every few years, and as anything that's about 20 or 30 years old, there's a few problematic <laughs> moments in there, like, yeah. um, but it's not too bad overall. Uh, but it's pretty dark humor, really disgusting. <laughs> and, uh, like, I believe Frank Miller has once said, like, a great comic is one you hide from your parents. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the actual quote, but something like that sounds good. That sounds like something Frank Miller would say. <laughs> uh, and all of Garth Ennis's books are like that. So um, if you haven't read it, I think you've, you've hinted about, like, being brought up religious or you've mentioned it, a kind yeah. of thing. This uh, will condemn your soul, but I think you'd like it, <laughs> right? So, funny just kind of the uh, describing it as like a comic you hide from your parents where like that's mm -hmm. that's what my music taste was <laughs> i was like all right marilyn manson you know my parents got mad at me for listening to tenacious d um, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny in respect. <laughs> but um you know so like that's definitely something that's kind of up my alley and like you said disgusting and I'm like yes I love <laughs> I love things that are kind of like transgressive and dark um, oh it's it's pretty gross it's it's just best to go into it you know as cold as possible it's pretty uh pretty rough stuff <laughs> so the um the good the bad and the ugly theme you chose because 
Well, I guess oh. you, you thought it was um, uh, the title, but it was actually in him. Well, yes, but uh, it's also the whole book is like a Western too. like I said, a, kind of a love letter to America. So it's got a lot of that American Southwest oh, nice. um, feeling to it. So it, even though I picked the wrong thing, I feel like this song kind of so, sets yeah. the mood of the comic. Yeah, you know? I definitely think that, you know, it, it's such a classic song. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's used everywhere. And I feel like it does really kind of set that Americana Western you know, like badass tone, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Yeah, it it almost sounds like it's something that's like classical, something from like the nineteenth century or something like yeah. that. Like it's just that much of a staple in you know the Western uh, genre. But yeah, yeah, and it it was so funny just listening through to the whole thing because I feel like it's something that like you hear at the beginning of a lot. Mm -hmm. Not so much, you know, listen through. And of course, I've listened through a lot, but I'd never paid attention, I guess. And I'm like, oh, this is actually like so much more interesting, you know, mm -hmm. getting to hear like the parts that come towards the end. It's, yeah. Yeah. The other one from that soundtrack I'd recommend is Ecstasy of Gold. Yes. Uh, Metallica does a cover of it where they really Metallica it up. Yeah. <laughs> <But> the <laughs> I original think that's the music. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think Green Day might do that too. Oh, yeah. I guess it, it, it's made its way around. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's keep on rolling along into my first pick, which sure. I figured I had to go kind of. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start cliche because I figured it would kind of be dumb to not include this, but Iron Man by Black Sabbath, obviously referencing Iron Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which, uh, the original song is not a reference to Iron Man, no. the superhero, which I kind of enjoy because it has that association, even though it has nothing to do with uh, the character. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, I just kind of picked this because it made me think of watching the first Iron Man movie. Yeah. At the end, seeing Robert Downey Jr., you know, just kind of say I'm Iron Man and then the song starts and I was like, oh, this is awesome. The, um, the most appropriate musical cue in movie history is what I had in my notes. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's just so, you know, it, it it's become tied to the superhero, you know, without, you know, needing to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the fact that, you know, at least with the movies, Marvel has kind of, you know, slid their Black Sabbath references in whenever they can. Um, and yeah, I just kind of think that that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Iron Man comics, you know, I, I'm sure you could kind of guess from the some uh, comics that I've posted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I tend to read like the thick, you know, like <laughs> collections and stuff. Um, but Iron Man is one of the few that I've actually gone into a comic book store and bought like the thin um, floppies. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, is something that I end up thinking about a lot just because that was something 
I did a few times in high school, but mm -hmm. not nearly as much as I feel like, you know, people that love comics do. Yeah, it's a it's a tough hobby to get into, but however you're doing it is, you know, it's fine. It's like, you know, it's like going to a record shop versus downloading songs. You know, whatever, if you're listening to it, you're listening to it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah, I, it's funny. Again, there's the, the age difference here. When I was growing up, Iron Man was kind of like, he was a big character, but he was always, he was kind of a little more like, I guess the way you would think of, let's say, Aquaman or Green Lantern. Right. Like he wasn't like this A-lister. And then Robert Downey Jr. and uh, John Favreau just like made it its own thing and just like really, you know, created this, you know, this pop culture we've been living in the last like 10 years or so. Um, and with the song itself, like this is one of those classic like Q1043 songs. <laughs> like yeah, I felt like I've heard this song 200 times. But like when I did prepping for this podcast, I actually sat and listened to it again. And I love, love, love that solo at like 315. Yeah. And the drumming and the, the, just to start the outro is yeah. like fantastic. Like, the, the riff always gets remembered because it's one of those like five riffs that everyone that, you know, has ever tried to play guitar learns. But there's so much more to the song and when it picks up and like mm -hmm. full, like fast paced metal song, it doesn't yeah. like get that same recognition. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I said, yeah, it's a song I thought I knew, but I'm like, I when I went back and like, I'm like, yeah. The 201st time I'm picking something up on this song. So yeah, it was, it's great. <laughs> um, let's keep on rolling along into sure. your next pick. Your next pick and mine, because <laughs> we have a cover version of the, the same comic and the same song, but um, Desolation Row by Bob Dylan. They're painting the passports brown. The beauty parlor is filled with sailors. The circus is in town Here comes the blind commissioner They've got him in a trance One hand is tied to the tightrope walker The other is in his pants But also my chemical romance uh, for Watchmen Yeah So in comic book history, like Watchmen is, it's on a pedestal. It changed everything, you know, changed the game. Uh, I had a friend at a comic store I used to shop with who was obsessed with Watchmen, would analyze it. Like he could, he's like pointing out little things like, oh, the, the lesbian cab driver, you could see her before she's revealed as a lesbian, like checking out one of the women in, in her rearview mirror in a panel. Like he can, he said he had like mapped, um, how you can get to each character's house based on like the backgrounds and stuff like that. Um, Alan Moore did describe the work as like a jewel you can keep looking at and finding new things. And Alan Moore, like the writers, really famous for like writing these intricate 100 page scripts for like a 30 page comic, uh, like detailing everything. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I just think you can't, I don't know how we could talk for an hour or so without mentioning Watchmen. So I'm like, let me put that up front. And uh, there's a few musical references in it, but Desolation Row uh, by Bob Dylan is referenced at the end of the first issue, yeah. at, you know, just kicking everything off. So, uh, and with the song, not my favorite Dylan song, but I had to make the connection. <laughs> you know, it's a, one of those, it's really long, like one of the, like Idiot Wind or something like that. I'm like, ah, you know, it's it's a it's a lot to process. It's great, great lyrics, but man, it's uh, not like I don't want to chill it and like, all right, let's rock out to this. You know, so yeah. yeah. Funny enough, this is my favorite Dylan's. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. When I took that graphic literature course, I mm-hmm. think it was the first book that we were supposed to read, and me being an English major in college, I was like yeah, I'm not going to read this. And then I didn't read it until like a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is incredible. And, you know, it it's so funny because I know that it's like one of those uh, comics that, like you said, you know, you had a friend that could analyze every little detail. And yeah. I know that there's so many different pieces to it where it's like oh you know there's you know the side I don't know what the terminology is but like uh additional issues that like cover you know characters and other story arcs or you know now there's the HBO series Uh, I haven't seen the movie that the My Chemical Romance song uh was done for but you know I know that that I know that that's kind of controversial amongst Watchmen fans I mean, the, the movie's the movie. I, I remember the only thing I, I really remember about the movie is when I went to see it in the theaters, there was someone reading the Watchmen comic before the movie started. I'm like, you got a lot of ways to go. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of fun to see, like, because I was in New York at the time to see, like, there was a lot of people on subways reading Watchmen, like, just, I guess, to prep for the movie coming out. So I guess that, that the movie helped get some comic fans. That was, uh, you know, an accomplishment. So oh totally. Yeah. That's like it's funny. It's one of those things where I feel like, you know, a major blockbuster like that, you know, you'll just kind of see it inspire so many people, you know, to just kind of pick up a specific book where mm-hmm. I imagine if, you know, there wasn't a pandemic going on, you might see people reading like The Queen's Gambit or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, running around. Um but so it's one of those things that, you know, I just kind of I don't even know what I was trying to say. <laughs> I lost my train of thought mid-sentence. The COVID brain is getting me. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, what did you think of the My Chemical Romance version of this? Uh, you know, I, I thought it was fine. I'm not a big uh, My Chemical Romance fan. I will say, and this is not a brag whatsoever, uh, <laughs> uh, Gerard Way uh, actually used to shop at my comic store in uh-huh. Nutley, New Jersey, Comic Explosion. Uh, it went out of business about a year ago. I in no way know him or have met him. It was just like the, the guy would come in and buy some comics, and then the store owner goes, "Yeah, I think that guy's in a band or something." Like that. <laughs> um, and you know, Perfect. so there is a comic connection there because I think he he writes comics too. He wrote yeah, um, Umbrella he Academy. Yeah, is probably his most famous thing. Um, I haven't read a lot of his comics either, but um, yeah. So yeah, he's one that. I'd been meaning to read Umbrella Academy when I was like 15 and super, (laughs) Um, but then I I never did. And then I started watching the Netflix series and I'm like, this isn't really for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of, um, 
Yeah, that's that, that's that age gap. If I was 15 when this was coming out, maybe I'd be, you know, <laughs> but it was like 25 or so. I'm like, yeah, you know. It's... I feel that. I do think that they kind of did, you know, like you said before, where the Dylan song is 12 minutes long. I do mm-hmm. think they did a good job of being like, we're going to cut this down to three <laughs> minutes, make it a pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, the, the Dylan lends itself to all these covers, you know, like the famous All Along the Watchtower by... Uh, Hendrix and this would kind of remind me of like that Rage Against the Machine, Maggie's Farm, you know, just like, you know, just cranking up uh, to 11, you know, just <laughs> screaming out Dylan. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, let's keep on rolling along into your next pick, which was Sin City by ACDC. Again, not my favorite ACDC song. This was, I was struggling to get to 10, you know, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, let me just go for another one on the nose like you did with Iron Man. Um, this is uh, another one of my favorite uh, writers and artists is Frank Miller. I've mentioned him a couple times. Uh, and Frank Miller has put out some of my favorite comics of all time, such as like his Daredevil run in the 1980s and um, The Dark Knight Returns. This is probably the most famous one. And he's also put out some of the like the worst comics you'll ever read. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I've heard so much about. I don't think I've ever read Frank Miller, but mm-hmm. I know the name. I know he's well regarded, but I've never heard someone say also some of the worst. It, it's that. Uh, it, I don't want to offend. It's kind of like Weezer, you know. <laughs> it's some <laughs> of the best and some of the worst. Um, you know, he's like really known for like his politics nowadays. Like he's very like. Um, Ayn Rand, um, oh, objectivist. No idea. <laughs> well, I, I, in my notes, I'm like the comic book industry, like it attracts all these kooky loners. I had mentioned before, like it's kind of a lonely thing to read, but it's also a lonely thing to create a lot of the times too. You're just either writing or drawing by yourself. And, um, you know, it, it I, I guess it parallels to like, you know, us doing comedy too. It's like, you just write your jokes and do that. So I think that's why there's a lot of com- comedians who are also, I'm saying comics and comics, a lot of comics who are comics fans and stuff like yeah. that. Because there's something about that like industry, but it, it's just interesting. Like, I don't know, the last two choices, like Alan Moore is a practicing wizard and Frank Miller is a practicing objectivist. <laughs> it's nice that like the two of the biggest names in the industry are like so diametrically opposed, you know, that there's room for everyone in this, uh, this weird world. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those tropes of just kind of like, you know, being a writer where, mm-hmm. you know, it it's, you know, it's the one thing that everyone can do on their own. And I mean, you know, I could never write a comic book, but in a way I also could if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's a very low barrier to entry. Yeah, so like, you know, anyone can kind of do anything. Um, but tell me a little bit about Sin City. Oh, the ACDC, uh, you know, it's, it's so the, a fine or the comic. I oh so the comic. I haven't read it or seen the Robert Rodriguez movie. Oh, okay. Um, I uh, the comic is like beautiful. Like the comic is just like 
all like this black and white and like Frank Miller would draw on like much larger pages and just like, I don't know, like the first uh, volume, it's kind of like every page you could just like cut out and frame. It's, it's like amazing. Um, and it's just this hard boiled noir stuff. The movie is, the movie tried to like literally looked at the panels and tried to just make every panel a shot in the film. Um, and it's an interesting experiment to say the least. Uh, it was great at the time. I'm not sure how much it would uh, hold up. I haven't watched it in years and didn't watch. I think there was a sequel uh, that I didn't watch either, but I thought like the movie, like where, where it differs from the comics is like the comics, like, someone jumping out a window can be this one long page that you just like stare at. And in the movie, it's like they jump out the window, they're laying on the car, they're in the car and it happens so fast. Like, so yeah, it plays a little bit with the time. I, I, I didn't, I guess it just, you just reminded me of like the interesting thing about the comic genre is like, um, they have things called left page reveals and right page reveals. So yeah. if you, a left page reveal is like you turn the page and like, oh my God, the left page is like something crazy happens, like a character dies. And the right page reveal is like you turn the page and then you see like something that's going to happen once you finish the left page in the end, like it, like the cliffhanger or something like that. Like, oh my God, how did that happen? And that, that kind of playing with time is very unique. I don't know how you can really do that in other genres, but it was pretty interesting. That's that's actually inc it's funny because you know when when I took my class you know they talked a lot about being like okay you need to kind of examine space and mm -hmm. you know why does you know this author you know use a whole page to get this idea across or like a half panel or you know whatever yeah. um and it we never got into you know left page or right page reveals but that's such an interesting device that I've definitely kind of thought about just because, yeah. you know, when you're reading and you flip the page, you know, I'm like, well, something's happening there that I want to see because I can see it out of my peripheral vision, but I mm -hmm. don't want to jump ahead. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> no, I've been reading comics for years and I just had that, I, like, I had that feeling of like, I knew this, but I never knew how to articulate it until... I read a comic G.I. Joe versus Transformers and it was in the afternotes. This is why, like I said, I try to read every comic. So I'm reading this book about action figures fighting each other. And then like in the notes, the author notes at the end, they're like, well, we wanted this page to be a left page review. I'm like, this is amazing. You know? So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, like you said, this wasn't a favorite ACDC song, but mm -hmm. also like, every ACDC song is a good ACDC song. That's true. There's a, there's, there's an extremely low variance between the greatest ACDC song and the worst. And, uh, you know, it's, they're always, uh, they're always, uh, you know, getting a good seven out of 10 at, at their worst days. So, yeah. So it's, it's funny too, just because listening to it, I ended up thinking about the one time I went to Vegas and I'm mm -hmm. like, it was not like this at all. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, we don't live in the world that ACDC writes their songs, though. <laughs> you no know, wild women and, uh, drinking all night and all that, so, yeah. Yeah, but let's keep on rolling along into my sure. next pick, which was, um, Miss You by Corpse. I don't wanna look like this, fuck. I don't wanna feel like this, fuck. Wish I didn't miss her so much. Knew that this would happen, fuck. Love, break a mirror, yeah. Glass shatter, gums bleed. The fucking never clear eyes, red mind brace. Fucking wish that you were here. I was really fucking. 
And I said it made me think of kind of Death Note and manga. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's more because of Corpse's imagery that mm-hmm. kind of surrounds him than, um, you know, his music itself. <laughs> um, and I was tempted to pick another song of his that use that references Death Note, but also um, it was in another recent episode, so I didn't want to double dip too soon. Oh, okay. Um, but um, uh, do you read manga at all? or It's, it's definitely a blind spot uh, in my nerdiness. Uh, I've read a few here and there, uh, like Akira, um, Eagle, um, Blade of the Immortal. Uh, those are the ones that come off the top of my head, but like it, it seems uh, seems very daunting <laughs> at times. Yeah. But I'm sure there's great stuff out there. Just not, it's just I've not you know gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that when I was younger, yeah, you know, because you know just kind of the age I grew up in, Pokemon mm-hmm. and Yu-Gi-Oh were the biggest things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would read Shonen Jump every now and then, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of my first real experience reading comic books just because I was like, oh, this has Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was just kind of my introduction. And then I got a little bit older and I outgrew it. Uh, But then um, I've been opposed to anime for a long time, (laughs) Um, but um, my girlfriend made me watch Avatar The Last Airbender with her very recently. And then I was like, you know what? I've heard a lot about Death Note, so I watched that too. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered Corpse, who uh, animates himself with uh, like a like a manga manga face. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's definitely a blind spot for me. I uh, I just in my notes about the song, I said it gave you the mood of walking down a hallway while things are exploding. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Corpse kind of, he kind of like is, uh, he's like a goth rapper now. Okay. Um, so like, he's just kind of like, oh, you know, I'm going to do these kind of like, you know, Marilyn Manson-y, you know, but also kind of Eminem-y sort of <laughs> songs. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I love this. Um, yeah. And kids on TikTok love it too. <laughs> so... <laughs> But yeah, so that was kind of all I have about Corpse. But uh, let's keep on rolling along into uh, some power pop. Uh, Wigwam Bam by The Sweet uh, for Love and Rockets. Yeah. So this is total glam rock, yeah. and uh, it's from, uh, I read this collection called Locas by uh, Jamie Hernandez. Um, him and his brother did Love and Rockets in the 80s. I could have picked, uh, Love and Rockets is also a band from, from, named after the comic book. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like the Simpsons and Fall Out Boy. I, it doesn't need to necessarily connect. Um, uh, you know, I hadn't read this book in years, but if, if I recall the scene correctly, 
they, this is one where they try to integrate the music where their chapter is called Wigwam Bam. And if I'm screwing this up again, then so be it. <laughs> but it's definitely like that song being set to like girls getting ready for a party and stuff like that. And I, and I, and that's, I, I hadn't heard of the song before I read the comic and then I went back to the song and I'm like, Oh, this song is great. And I love like this seventies glam rock, uh, this and like, um, uh, let's, uh, I'm blanking on that other band, uh, New York dolls. is kind of oh, like cool. this. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, with the comic, uh, Love and Rockets, uh, it was two brothers, Jamie and Gilbert Hernandez, and they were huge in this um, indie comic book heyday of the 1980s. Right. Uh, that kind of gave way to other artists we'll talk about later, like Dan Clouds and Adrian Tomine. Um, and uh, yeah, so Locus, Locus was uh, Jamie's, uh, you know, Maggie and Hopi stories. And his brother Gilbert did Palomar, which was, you know, about a town in Mexico, I believe. Uh, it's been years since I read this, but it, they, you know, it's uh, they're, they're just great, great cartoonists that have been, you know, churning out stuff for 40 years and just were really influential on like that. Like after I've covered now Frank Miller and, and Watchmen, just going into like the li the littler stuff. So yeah, yeah. As I was looking into this, this definitely seemed like something that would be like 100% up my alley. Um, <laughs> And the book or the song or both <laughs> both um well the song the song is great because it's something that was like familiar without being um you know something that was like on the nose like i very well could have heard it but also mm -hmm. like i wasn't sure if i had and mm -hmm. it's funny that you said that it was to set the tone for like girls getting ready to go out because mm -hmm. it def once you said that i'm like oh this totally clicks this would be my like like a movie scene yeah yeah um but just kind of like looking into it, you know, it just kind of like the art style and it just from what I'm looking at it, you know, from the descriptions, it does, it seems like it kind of focuses more on like the realism and stuff, which, you know, I kind of enjoy a little bit more than uh, like superhero stuff, yeah. which I feel like is what typically gets associated with comic books. And I, you know, like, it, we'll get to him, but Adrian Tomine is probably my favorite. <laughs> and like, I kind of like sort of stuff that feels very like true to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe there's also, I'm not sure if it ages in real time, but the characters do age throughout the series. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, you get, you kind of see like, yeah, just different styles of life. So yeah. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll check that out. <laughs> yeah. I should go back and reread if I can find wherever anything is in my house. <laughs> Yeah, I'll probably, it's definitely, like I said, trying to do 52 bucks. So I'm probably going to add that one to. That might take you a couple sittings, though, if uh, I recall correctly. There's a, a, like a one of those big volumes of it. So yeah, that, that's the thing I've noticed with a lot of these is it seems like they were like series that were published for long periods of time. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I imagine were probably published in volumes or collections. Yeah, uh, and that's, I guess, kind of leading into our next thing. But yeah, a lot of these comics from the 80s, the indie ones are, yeah, they were individualized, you know, floppies that ended up being collected, um, like Adrian told me. <laughs> yeah. um, which my next pick was, uh, the song was Frank Turner anymore, and the Single book was Shortcomings. Yeah. I ever heard you say, it was on the day I told you I had to go away. You said, darling baby, please. If you really mean to leave, can't I just hold you a little while longer? 
The single hardest thing that I ever had to do Was take your arms from around me and walk away from you And I know I shouldn't have kissed you as I left Darling, I... Um, yeah, this was... This was one I had to read for that college class, uh, but really kind of shook me to my core. Um, just and that's something that I really like about everything that I've read from Tomin. Just you know, as of right now, I've read the memoir that he wrote recently, um, and I thought that was like an enjoyable, like sort of fun and to some degree funny. Mm-hmm. Read, you know which is different from a lot of his stuff but i've also read summer blonde which i i love I, that yeah um and i think that you know i had just had to include shortcomings because it was the one that i was like oh this is different and great and like it's really sad mm-hmm. <laughs> and like i'd read it when i was like 20 or 21 and then read it again when i was 25 which mm-hmm. isn't that big of a difference but yeah big enough that I was just kind of wrecked by it Mm. um and I chose anymore by Frank Turner because it's a song about falling out of love um in a similarly devastating way yeah this song is heavy man I I was not familiar with his music I really enjoyed it a lot but what a what a rough song. Oh my goodness. He's not like this very often. Um, he's usually very much like, I'm going to do these like anthemic punk songs, but mm-hmm. this whole album is very like sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tomin is why I reached out to you. I recently read uh, Diary of a Long Distance Cartoonist, his most recent one. And that is, that's up my Alex. That's very inside baseball. There's yeah. a lot of like talking about the comic industry in the nineties. I'm like, who would be interested in this at all, except for me, which I love it, you know? Right. Um, but then, yeah, you know, I think it, later on it got a little more, um, you know, uh, personal to his life than just like who ignored him at a comic convention back in 1992. Um, and uh, that was one thing I was kind of disappointed about because I, he didn't name names a lot of the time. I was really hoping there'd be some dirt. Yeah, uh, I think what's interesting if you, like, again, this is this huge rabbit hole to go down to, but, like, these cartoonists, Seth and um, uh, Chester Brown, um, uh, they they kind of, like, in, weave in and out each other's personal comics. Like, they draw each other in, in their uh-huh. comic line. I think Seth um, made an appearance in that book where they went to, like, a comic conv- a comic store and nobody showed up to the signing. So, um, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. I'll have to check that out, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. So the Tomine books were originally published as single issues called optic nerve, right. um, summer blonde. And, uh, there's a volume in between shortcomings and the most recent one, which is, uh, killing and dying. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're all, they're all great. They're all great. I love Tomine as well too. Yeah, all kind of very sad yes. stories. Um, and I also, I haven't, you know, I just only recently started following him on Instagram and just kind of realizing the scope of how much he's done has been incredible. Just because, you know, I just saw today he did like the Japanese cover of uh, Inherent Vice. Which oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a I have a Tomine collection of like a sketchbooks of like, yeah, New Yorker covers and stuff yeah. like that too. It's... Uh, yeah, these guys got to pay the bills somehow. <laughs> and these uh, comics about small penises aren't necessarily bringing in millions. So, <laughs> absolutely. 
Let's roll on into your next pick, which was 16 Military Wives by the Decemberists for Blankets. Sweet focused, brightly colored eyes. Staring at the natural tan. A 32 gently clenching wrinkled little hands. 17 company men. Out of which only 12 will make it back again. Sergeant says a letter to find. Military wives, his tears drip down. All right, now this was a deep, tricky cut. Because in 16 Military Wives, the music video, they open someone's locker and it has a copy of Blankets by Craig uh-huh. Thompson in the <laughs> locker. That's why I made that connection. Um, what was that? That's, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. So this, I think Blankets came out in 2003, 2004. And it definitely fit this aesthetic that was highly going on in my life in the time. I was talking about the music I'm into. It's kind of like, sensitive Zach Braffy boy aesthetic, you know, <laughs> and Craig Thompson and listening to Decemberists, it all fits in, in like this, this look. Um, now Craig Thompson uh, is one of my favorite cartoonists um, and blankets. I was just mentioning about how these indie comics um, were coming out in individual issues. And a lot of them are very cynical, like, especially like some of the stuff with Dan Klaus, which we'll talk about yeah. a little later. Like, just like these, they're cynical, small issues. So what Craig Thompson did is he made this really sincere, and it all came out as one book, one graphic novel, a uh, book called Blankets. And so where he, he kind of zigged where everyone was zagging. So instead of like small issues about people who hate everybody, it was like this sincere, heartfelt thing that was 600 pages long. And um, I, I was a fan of him ever since then. And and it created kind of this thing in like the 2000s and 2010s of people putting out these huge memoirs, you know, like Fun Home or something like that. Um, and now he's doing the opposite. He's going back and he's releasing individual 12 issues <laughs> about about ginseng farming of, of all things. You know, he's it's one of the best far- books about farming ginseng I've ever read. Um, so uh, he's, he's always kind of like one step ahead of where people are. He's one of my all time favorite uh cartoonists that's uh that's pretty cool that's very cool um and you know this was another one that like when i looked up just seeing oh it's a memoir about growing up in evangelical christian not that i grew up evangelical but i'm like oh i feel like if i read this i'm going to relate to it yeah it's a pretty heavy book too it might fit with that frank turner song as well nice nice i'll have to check that out um and it's funny the connection that you drew with uh uh, 16 military wives um, because and then you mentioned fun home because I almost did something similar and I opted not to where I almost chose fun home but then used a fear factory song because I know Alison Bechdel's brother is in fear factory <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah just like A to C there yeah exactly um, but cool um, do you have anything else you want to add about 16 military wives um no, I think, I think I'm good. Like I said, it's just kind of part of that, you know, power pop genre that I love, the indie rock genre. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of the 50 songs you'd hear from that, you know, kind of music of that time period. So 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like for me, I've never been like a big Decemberists guy. I like things here and there, but I, uh-huh. I dug this because it's kind of a satirical, folky, you know, even though it's not like a punk song, it has that same energy where I was like, oh, this is about the Bush administration. Exactly. Yeah. Very uh, anti-war. Yeah. Um, let's keep on rolling along into my next pick which was Power Slave by Iron Maiden for Sepulchre. chose this very specifically because something I always remember from Persepolis is there's like one moment in it where she writes about wanting to buy an Iron Maiden record. Um, Good connection. (laughs) And I was like, and uh, you know, I've probably read Persepolis twice. I read it in high school and then again in college. Um, And I don't know why that's what has stuck with me for so long. Um, it has nothing to do with the rest of the book, um, but, you know, it's just a funny connection to mm-hmm. see. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I remember reading this in high school and I just remember the way that my 12th grade English teacher had framed our whole course to us was she said, I'm going to give you books. I don't have to give you a state exam at the end of this year. Um, so my goal this year is to teach you that reading can be fun. Uh-huh. So my thought for why she gave us Persepolis was like, oh, this is like, you know, like a, a graphic novel and it's like literary and it's well-regarded, but it's also, you know, to show 12th grade students that, oh, you could read comic books and you're still reading comic books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's another one of those like, yeah, entryway into the yeah. the genre of books like uh, Mouse by Art Spiegelman and stuff like that. Like just, yeah, it's those definite high school book. I could see that. I haven't read it in years. Uh, I remember liking it. I just, you know, it's yeah. not something that stuck with me. But um, so, yeah, you, you could talk better to Persepolis. I was trying to figure out the connection too. I was like, there's Egyptian themed artwork, but Persepolis is in Iran. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was definitely something that I felt, it's kind of a stretch, you know, I, you know, I figure, you know, Power Slave, Iron Maiden, you know, singing about oppression, there's, you know, things about, you know, conflict in the Middle East in there, you know, it all kind of works out in to an extent, not really, but there is a moment where she says, oh, you know, I want to, you know, get an Iron Maiden CD, and I was like, oh, cool, and I think, I know there's like an animated like short film of Persepolis that exists. Yeah, I that, yeah. Um, and I think the song in that's the trooper. So I almost chose that, but I felt like that was less appropriate, but. Well, I don't really know Iron Man this well. Like I, like I know a few, but I, I enjoyed this song. It really felt like cinematic and grand, yeah. you know? Iron- uh, and I like the drumming in this as well too. Remind me of like the immigrant song. Uh, yeah, drumming. it has a very similar like rhythm to it. Iron Maiden do a really good job of kind of, you know, 
a lot of heavy metal bands try to tell stories in their songs. And, you know, even though some do it pretty well, I feel like most don't do it very well, but Iron Maiden, I think are good at it where they can kind of get a lot of things across in like, you know, a three to seven minute song. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as I was compiling this I was like oh there's so many heavy metal songs that I could be picking all around <laughs> um but I was like I have to try to branch out with some of these whatever yeah but let's uh keep rolling along to your next pick which was everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey by the Beatles for why the last man come on come on So in Why the Last Man, they specifically call this song out. The main character, Why, uh, Yorick, um, says it's the worst Beatles song. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, you know, I, I don't know what my worst is. I was trying to make notes. It's maybe Blue Jay Way. I don't know. Um, no, that's a fair one. <laughs> but, I like uh, this song a lot. What? This like is my favorite Beatles songs. Oh. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Oh no, everybody's got something to hide. Oh, okay. Uh, no, yeah, I like Wendy. songs about monkeys. There's Monkey Man by Rolling Stones and Half Man, Half Monkey by Bruce Springsteen. I'm a I'm a big monkey fan. Um <laughs> how do you feel about the monkeys? I, I like them too. Uh, you know. Uh I'm a believer. Yeah. And uh as some other <laughs> good jams. <laughs> um Yeah, so in Why the Last Man they talk about um there's a funny little thing. Well, there's actually the, the, the character has a monkey sidekick and they're hiding a secret. So it was very on the nose to, to reference the song in the book. But they talk about like uh, in relationships um, that you have to share, you have to find someone who hates the same things as you. You know, everyone loves the Beatles, but if you find someone who doesn't like what you don't like, then that's the true match. Not sure how, sure how true that is, but I always thought it was really funny when I, when I read it. Um, so the comic, Why the Last Man, have you read it or come across it? I have it? not. Okay. No. So uh, it's only like vaguely looked into it. So I don't know anything. Okay. Well, it's, uh, you know, basically um, everybody in the world, uh, every man in the world dies except for one guy and the world is run by women. That's the, you know, first issue in 10 seconds. Okay. Um, it's written by Brian K. Vaughn, who's like this excellent comic writer. He's done Ex Machina and he's writing now this comic book saga, which is my personal favorite coming out currently. Um, it's been on hiatus for a bit, but, uh, Why Last Man's a great book. Uh, this song is an okay, great, it's a good Beatles song. And, um, that's, that's, uh, we can use, uh, more monkey music. I don't know. When was the last good monkey song that you've heard? I can't think of one. Hmm. Um, but that's so funny, just kind of, you know, glancing at the description and, you know, the, the I, I guess the plot, you know, the, the 
main idea of it, because that's something that I thought about, you know, pretty frequently because I watched like an Animal Planet documentary that said that like that's actually going to happen at some point in distant history. So mm -hmm. it's definitely something where I'm like, what happens if <laughs> they just phase out the Y chromosome? Yeah. You know? That. I don't know. It's a, it's a fun series. I, since you haven't read it and I'm not sure, I don't want to like spoil too much of it. They'll probably make a TV show about it at some point too, uh -oh. but uh, it's, um, I don't know. It was uh, a great series. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was coffee eyes by the wonder years uh, for ghost world. Mm -hmm. January 17, 2006 Here in a diner with my friends Talking about how the year went A few years later I walk in Patty in my drink and she asked Where the hell we've been we Used to come here every night It's not the same Um, this was another one that Uh, I had to read for that college class <laughs> Um but I kind of like, you know, and it's been a long time since I'd read it, but, um, you know, I just always, it kind of screamed suburban ennui to me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, kind of like this whole idea of being like trapped in suburbia and being stuck there. Um, and this Wonder Year song always makes me think of that um, mm -hmm. and that feeling and kind of like, watching the comings and goings you know through the perspective of a diner and you know i vaguely remember scenes where they're sitting in diners or coffee shops and things like yeah. that um you know so i felt like these two kind of tied together you know very poetically in that sense mm -hmm. um you know and i just also you know i a kind of weird memory I have tied to this song was when my college professor, well, not the song, the book, was when I was in that class, I had a very, you know, depressed moment and I was talking to my professor about it. And she was like, you know, it's all gonna work out, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, she like gave me like this long thing and she's like, everything's gonna be okay. And then she was like, you know, maybe, you know, you just get on the bus like at the end of Ghost World and you just go somewhere else. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm gonna do that. I didn't do that, but. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Dan Klaus fan. Um, you know, he definitely has that early 90s edge. You summed it up great. Suburban ennui. I'm like, I love that. That was like, you know, I'm um, I'm one of the oldest uh, of what you'd consider a millennial, but I kind of feel a little Gen X-y. And so like all this work like speaks to me of like, yeah, like I, and he's still putting out great stuff. He put out a big uh, graphic novel a couple of years ago called Patience. And that's a little more, it's not quite suburban ennui. It's got time travel involved, if I remember correctly. <laughs> But uh, it, he's still doing great stuff. Um, with this song, this is uh, classic emo punk. Um, <laughs> it's got one of my favorite emo punk tr uh, traditions, which is pronouncing things that are like C and B as say and bay. And they do it with the word bin here. They go bang or something like that. I I love that stuff. That I've is listened to this for so long. I've never noticed. Ah, uh, it's a classic emo staple. It's uh it's wonderful. I I love any song where it's like, 
uh, and you can say, you know, I'm like, all right, great. You know, I'm in. Oh, they it's funny now that I'm like thinking because I'm like, oh no, that's totally, <laughs> I just never pieced it together because I was like uh, hearing a song 500 times. I'm like, I just hear the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dan Klaus is one of those authors that I really want to read more from um, uh, because I've only ever read Ghost World. And, you know, I've kind of like clicked through other stuff that he's done, but I've never actually like bit the bullet and read something else by him but you know ghost world i adored ghost world when i'd read it because uh, i mean like you said you know it kind of has that like gen x feel to it and like you know even though i'm millennial gen z cuss um you know i kind of like grew up watching like beavis and butthead and daria and things like that which like is all kind of classic gen x yeah, definitely. Not sure where you'd go next after Ghost World. Ghost World is definitely like, you know, is iconic book, you know. Yeah. Uh, the one I, I was saying that came out a few years ago is called Patience. Um, yeah. But I mean, he's, he's pretty prolific. He's got tons of stuff out there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where you where I'd go next, you know, so... I'll end up, you know, just going on. I'll end up picking whichever ones has the cover that I like the most. Yeah, that's that's a, that's as good a reason as any to read a comic. Yeah, that, I'm, you know, I'm ashamed by how often I decide what I'm going to read based on what the cover is. Oh, it's I. I think every comic fan has done that. You know, it's a it's a tried and true method. Just try something new based on the cover. You know. Yeah. So. It, yeah. That's what, it, it's something I do with you know everything music books you know Mm -hmm. i'm like if it looks cool or like (laughs) or if it has a title that i think sounds cool i'm like uh i'll go for it Mm -hmm. um but let's keep on rolling along into your next pick which was hooked on a feeling by blue swede um which you tied to guardians of the galaxy but kind of the mcu in general girl you just don't realize what you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight you let me know everything's all right Yeah, it's, um, you know, you, you can't escape the MCU. It's something tied with comics. We can talk about all, we can reference Adrian Tomine and Dan Klaus all we want, but we know, like, even they will say they first got into comics by reading, like, Spider-Man and stuff yeah. like that. So, like, I, again, being a little older, I came of age in, like, the nadir of the comic industry. Like, in 1996, um, Marvel filed for bankruptcy, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Right. Which is kind of like when when I was I don't know ten or so finding out Santa wasn't Santa was real but he's broke and there's gonna be no more Christmas <laughs> like I'm like I, like comics were my world back then and it's like I remember reading this thing called Wizard Magazine which I'm really dating myself and it's like what Marvel's bankruptcy means to you like oh God like and like comic stores were going out of business left and right. And I remember in the early years of the internet, in like these chat rooms, one of the editors of Marvel Comics said he calculated the industry will be dead in three and a half years. So like, I'm like, well, okay, we got the, <laughs> I can read comics till I'm like, I don't know, 14, 15 or something like that. That'll be fine. And now like the fact that 
Rocket and Groot, my mom knows those characters. Like, I'm like, I always, even the, like, like, no matter what comes out, even like the, um, like DC movies that come out, I always kind of like anything that even a movie that gets panned, I'm like, there's making movies about comic books. I thought this was going to be dead 25 years ago. Like I always have to be, I always, you know, want to be a little like grateful for, uh, you know, where, where it was when I was growing up to where it is now. It's like, I just like to take a step back and be like, just, uh, not take it for granted, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I, I think I more or less always lived in an age when there were superhero movies. And I mean, you know, granted, you know, they'd been making superhero movies forever and they'd been kind of getting acclaimed since before I was born, you know, with things like Tim Burton's Batman, but like, you know, like Spider-Man, the 2001 or 2002 Spider-Man was like one of the, you know, is an early memory I have of being in the theater, you know, like seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'd been to movies before that. I was just too young to remember. Um, But like, you know, so like, it's very kind of funny just kind of knowing like, oh, there was a point in time when comics might not have existed. And now, you know, you just kind of look at everything and, you know, you know, so many characters that, you know, like you said before, weren't necessarily like popular, well-known characters are now these beloved icons, you know, like you said with before with Iron Man and like, I'd never heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, until exactly. the movie, um, but you know, everyone adored that movie. <laughs> so um, what are your thoughts on the MCU in general and the movies? I know before you said you don't necessarily see every single movie or TV series. Yeah, I mean, I, I catch most of the big movies, and uh, I I enjoy them for the most part. Uh, you know, it's um, not a crazy super fan, but again, it's it's just a little my age. Like again, I in Avengers Endgame, someone was next to me crying at the death of Iron Man. Like yeah. someone a little like again, probably around your age or something like that. I'm like, man, this is when I think about it. Like they've been coming to this for 11 years. Like this this yeah. person's 24. He's been watching this since he was 13. This was like like the way I would feel like watching, you know, Han Solo die or something like that. Like, like this really affects him. And I, and it just, so it, I'm a, I'm a little distant uh, from it based on like that, but I mean, I'm just happy that like, that it's, it's keeping the industry alive. Cause if Marvel was to go down, or DC was to go down, like it would take all these fun little books that we love, you know, that I'm talking about, it would take them all down with them. So, yeah. Do you before? Do you have anything you want to add about Hooked on a Feeling? Oh, um, I mean, again, growing up, this was the Ally McBeal song for uh, my generation. <laughs> uh, you know, because they had a dancing, terribly looking CGI baby dancing to this song, and now it's now it's the Guardians of the Galaxy song. Right. So it, that that's the only thing. It's a fun song. I love it, but it's kind of in that uh, I guess close to glam rock like sweet, but uh, you know. Yeah. It, it feels very much kind of in that era, but also a little bit more like dancey, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But no, uh, great song. Uh, just, I had to, some of these picks, I had to, some of these picks came to me right away. And some of these picks, I'm like, don't fight it. Just, this is a song that reminds you of this. Just make your list and keep going, you know? Um, well, let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was Verrazano by The Unlovables, mm-hmm. uh, which made me think of the Teen Titans. Sure. Uh, 
which the series Teen Titans was like, you know, the TV series was something I loved growing up and it did inspire me to pick up you know, some of the comic books because they had them at, you know, the, uh, re uh, what's the store? Like the general store that my dad would go to to get his newspaper. So I'd be like, can I get this? Cause I would watch the series. So I, he'd be like, yeah, I guess you could, you know, get the book. Um, and, you know, I've recently started rewatching the series and um, it holds up. I really enjoy it. Um, and, you know, it kind of makes me want to explore more of the origins of the characters because a thing I kind of realized when I watched the first episode is it it, it just kind of starts very mm -hmm. randomly <laughs> um which I guess was also kind of my experience reading those comics because I wouldn't ever get like every issue I would get like some random you know issue that was like picking up where something left off and would end on a cliffhanger and then I'd be like okay, that was cool. And then I'd want to get the next one and mm -hmm. then wouldn't be able to because my dad wouldn't take me to the story <laughs> the next week. Um, but I chose um, this song in particular um, because when, when I started dating my girlfriend, I'd sent this song to her um, you know, because she lives in Staten Island, you know, it's called Verrazano. Yeah. So I was like on the nose and she was like, this kind of reminds me of the Teen Titans theme song, <laughs> um, which it kind of sounds a little bit like. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great power pop song. Uh, yeah. gets That's definitely my genre. Um, so what is the Teen Titans show? I know there's, because I know there's a couple of cartoons. I just wasn't sure when this came out or. Oh, this was, I'm gonna Google it. It was probably like the mid 2000s. On like Cartoon Network, I assume, or? Yeah, it was, it was like Cartoon Network. It might've been part of their Toonami block. Okay. It says the first two seasons were on Kids WB. Oh, okay. Um, oh, also aired there. Um, but yeah, it was, it premiered in 2003. Okay. Um, so I was in like third or fourth grade when it <laughs> came out. Yeah. So. You know, it, it, oh, okay. No, it's uh, it's a very similar story. Again, I, I find the comics at the General Mart, which is uh, like I remember going to Little League when I went to a baseball game. There was we, it was next to like a Seven Eleven, the field, and I'm like, I want, I can't wait till Little League games are because I can go to the Seven Eleven and buy comic books after the game. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, like you said, it, these cartoons are good gateway drugs. Like in my generation, it was like the X Men cartoon, the yeah. Batman cartoon, there was a Spider Man cartoon. All came out in like this ninety one, ninety two, ninety three range that just you know hooked so many people. My generation too. So those cartoons are great. I don't really know the Teen Titans too much. Um, there, there's a lot of classic stuff of theirs from the eighties. Um, they were kind of DC's answer to the X Men back then so if you're looking at like their classic comic books there's going to be like tons of stuff in the 80s you'll find but uh like yeah i don't, I don't know them that well but it's so funny this having a lot of fans get into the same kind of way you know yeah so. it's so funny too just because like you said you mentioned like the spider-man cartoon and x-men and i imagine like the animated batman series too yeah um, you know where you know i know all those i watched a little bit of the batman series you know when i was younger but like, I don't feel like there were a lot of uh, like series when I was a kid that were based on uh, superheroes, like nearly as much as, you know, there might've been in the nineties or there are 
you know, I don't know if there are now. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Teen Titans was definitely the only one that I could think of that was like definitely like tied to comic books that weren't manga. Mm -hmm. yeah. Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's keep on rolling along into your next pick which was Challengers by the New Pornographers for Challengers of the Unknown. Yes, I know it was late. We were greeting the sun before long. And you live with someone. I live with somebody too. Yes. Uh, so Challenges of the Unknown was kind of like a precursor to the Fantastic Four, okay. published by DC in the 60s. Uh, I, I never read any of their comics. I just love this song. <laughs> I love New Pornographers. They're one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with them or... Funny enough, I don't think I'd ever listen to the new pornography. Well, I shouldn't say never, but I hadn't in a very long time until this playlist. I think I heard the new pornographers when I was younger because I heard the name, I thought it was cool. And then it's possible I heard this song. And then when I was younger being like, I only listen to heavy metal. I was like, this isn't heavy metal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, listening at 26, I'm like, oh, this is incredible. I love it. Yeah, like, so my gateway drug was a song called Letter from an Occupant. Um, that was what got me into the band. Um, my wedding song was Go Places from this album, Challengers. Um, and they are just like very, one of the most consistent bands. Um, like they just keep chugging out great stuff for whatever, 20 years. Uh, kind of like Spoon, I would say. You know, just like every album is kind of great. Um, uh, what, you know, it's uh, three artists that have kind of done their own things too. Like, so it's a kind of a super group with um, uh, AC Newman, Nico Case, and Dan Behar of Destroyer. Um, so I didn't even realize that they were in the band. Yeah. Like, super interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like most people would say, if you're going to take one album, it's Twin Cinema is probably like their, their peak of all their powers <laughs> combined. Uh, but yeah, there's just absolutely love the band and uh, you know there's also a comic book that's called challenge of the unknown that's my connection here <laughs> i was like i need a break from talking about comics and just talk about some music so that's yeah. totally fair i'm super excited to explore explore more of this because like listening to this it reminded me a lot of like you know like like listening to like fleetwood mac and you know if i'm gonna go more like modern stuff that i listen to kind of like the band tiger's jaw where i'm like mm -hmm. there's definitely kind of like you know, the, I, I don't want to use the term, but it reminds me a lot of like the sad girl indie rock that's kind of <laughs> having a boom right now with artists mm -hmm. like Phoebe Bridgers. Um, so I absolutely adored this. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to listen to more of the new. Uh, see, I'm glad I could give back, man. When I'm listening to your show, I'm like jotting down all these things and I get to like six or seven artists when I'm listening. I'm like, all right, I can't listen to all these. I got to stop writing it down. So I'm that's just going to. I'm going to listen to, I think because uh, I was, the most recent ones I was listening to were like year-end reviews. So it's like, yeah. I want to like keep, keep up to date and current. And it's like, like hearing all your best stuff. I'm like, I can't, I, you know, I, you know, there's a few I got around to, but yeah, you know. 
So I'm glad I could return the favor. Oh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I always hope that I can inspire people, but I also, that's a whole feature of putting the little, you know, snippets of the songs in as I'm like, you listen to a part of it. And if you're like, I hate this, I won't <laughs> listen to anything else about it. Um, yeah. But that's also why I like episodes like this too, where, you know, there's so much more aspects to it than just, you know, being like, we're going to talk about the songs. But yeah, so I'm super excited. Are there other new pornographers songs you'd recommend besides the ones you mentioned? Um, Definitely going to listen to Twin Cinema tomorrow. Yeah, Twin Cinema is probably like, uh, yeah, like the album, that album is just kind of a good place to start. Um, Yeah, I, I can't think of any to throw at you right now, though. Nice. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was um, Kendrick Lamar, J-Rock, Future, and James Blake doing King's Dead mm-hmm. uh, for Black Panther and, you know, kind of MCU in general. This ain't what you want, this ain't what you want. This ain't what you want, this ain't what you want. What you want. And it's like that little bitch, MVP, I don't get no sleep, no, I don't like that little bitch. Bust that open, I want that ocean, yeah, that bite back, little bitch. Do it bite back, little bitch, need two life jacks, little bitch. I ain't gon' hold ya, I ain't gon' pressure, never control ya. I ain't gon' front ya, keep it 100, I don't know ya. Boss like top dog, boss my life up, crossing over. Started stepping, got a hall of fame and all my poster. I've been ready, my whip been ready, my bitch been ready, my click been ready, my shit's been ready, my checks been ready, my shots on full, that's all I'ma get. And I just kind of chose this song, one, because it was from the Black Panther soundtrack, um, but something I think is very interesting about that soundtrack, and you've started to see it a little more with these different, like, major franchise movies, is the fact that they got, you know, Kendrick Lamar to basically, you know, basically put out a Kendrick Lamar album as the Black Panther soundtrack, um, which is something that, you know, I feel like there's been a bit of a history of, you know, pop stars and superhero movies crossing over, um, you know, I think of Prince and Batman, yeah, um, yeah. you know, so many people have covered, uh, what's it called, uh, the Spider-Man theme song, the Ramones did a <laughs> classic cover of it, the Who, I think, did the Batman theme song at some point, um, But so I think it just is kind of like a testament to, you know, everything to have, you know, arguably the most critically acclaimed artist of the last five years, just to be like, I'm going to curate the soundtrack to a Marvel movie. Yeah, and it's impressive that the MCU kind of just uses all these different musical genres to set the mood of each movie. We just referenced Guardians having all those you know, 70s pop songs and to have Black Panther, you know, set to Kendrick Lamar. It's just like, it's kind of like you go into every movie, like people complain the Marvel movies are all the same, but it's like, ah, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, uh, they they kind of tailor it to, um, they, can, they change it up a lot in different ways. I was considering um, possibly like one of my favorite soundtracks, it's not Marvel Universe or Marvel Cinema Universe, it's the Spider-Verse soundtrack. I was considering like What Up Danger and stuff like that, but yeah, just, um, no, it's, it's it, it was a great song and uh, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Uh, yeah. I thought the, I thought Black Panther was okay when I first watched it, but I rewatched it after his death. And I'm like, when you're rewatching it, you don't have to worry about, oh, how does this fit into the rest of the story and whatnot? And like, sit back and just enjoy the spectacle of it. I thought it was fantastic on the rewatch, so. Yeah, that's kind of how I had gone into it because uh, I'm not someone that says, you know, 
all the Marvel movies are the same, but I am someone that I will be like, I'm usually good watching a Marvel movie once and then I don't need to watch it again. But I, you know, I'd also rewatched Black Panther once uh, Chadwick died and I was like, <laughs> oh, this holds up very well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And like, you know, it's one of the, I also included this because I figure, you know, I was just kind of like looking at my list and I was like, yeah, everything is kind of rock music. I want to get some hip hop in here. Um, I, I did not do that, unfortunately. <laughs> That's why we have you. No, it's totally, it's very hard. I feel like, and there probably are, and I just don't know them, but I feel like there aren't a lot of comics that are necessarily like catered, catered to rap music. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. said, probably are. I just don't know them. But this was something that I figured I could kind of like throw in. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, there's definitely, um, you know, more and more diversity in the artists and writers behind the scenes of these books. Um, but I, you know, off the top of my head, it's hard because I kind of I just see the names. I don't really know the characters yeah. that much. Like it's like uh, like when I'm referencing, you know. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, I'm like, I've seen a picture of him, but I don't really know his like politics or his like if he's gay or straight or anything like that. Like, I'm just like, okay, you know, like I don't really know much about the writers and artists behind a lot of the things, but there are more uh, diverse writers and artists, you know, uh, different genders, different uh, sexualities, uh, different races that are uh, coming up, have been coming up in the last 10 or 15 years in the industry, but it it was really dominated by straight white men for a very long time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think oh, I'm going to kick myself for not remembering his name. I'm going to Google it. The guy that wrote um, Between the World and Me. Um, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates? Yes, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, I think also was tapped to write a bunch of Black Panther books. So He I wrote think- Black Panther and he wrote Captain America. I'm not sure if he's still writing those, but yeah, he's been writing some comics. But I think that that's super cool just because he's, you know, also just kind of like a critically acclaimed author on his own and be like, you know, I'm going to write Between the World and Me and Black Panther, Captain America. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One one artist I'll I'll shout out to uh, is Ben Passmore. I've been enjoying. Uh, He is a self-proclaimed anarchist. He writes a lot of comics about like the protests he's been to and his politics. Uh, So he's, uh, you know, a fun a fun read so nice i'll check that out yeah um well let's keep on rolling along into your next pick which was pictures of you by the cure um for a comic called pictures of you by damon hurd Yeah, so Damon Heard um, is su- probably the deepest cut, and I don't expect, <laughs> like... I couldn't find this. So yeah, exactly. Uh, and he also wrote a book called A Strange Day based on the Cure song, and he wrote some other real small press stuff. It reminds me, when I was in high school, uh, when I was fighting off the ladies, <laughs> um, <laughs> going to these small press Comic-Cons and just being able to, like, 
go up and like you talk to these little artists like selling their like tiny self-printed books and um you know just kind of like I don't know. It's it's like the like an indie rock show, but for yeah. comic artists back in the day. And they, I mean, they still have them. I just you know I'm old and married now. I don't go to them anymore. But Damon Hurd was one of those discoveries back then. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be huge, and I, I don't know what he's up to now. I haven't seen him. <laughs> like, I, I I had to research him again. I'm like, is he still putting out stuff? Like, I haven't seen anything since like '06 or '07 or something like that. But uh, he's done some great stuff, uh, and and I. You know, the pictures of you by the cure kind of fits the mood of those conventions, you know, just <laughs> like of just like uh happy sad music as Sing Street yeah. called the cure. Um it's uh yeah, it just it's it kind of narrates a point in my life, a point in my collecting and a, uh, just a point in the industry as a whole, I feel like, of just these late nineties, early two thousands, like small press comic conventions. Oh, that's cool. That's like something that I guess, you know. I, I know that like conventions are a big scene, you know, mm. and I also, you know, know, you know, uh, I know that they exist on all sorts of scales, but I guess that was something I'd never really thought about or like connected. Uh, but that's like you said, it's like going to indie rock shows or going to like a DIY show and yeah, exactly. Like, that's which like is something that like I've loved about music is just being like, oh, I could go to a show at the Elks Lodge for five bucks and mm -hmm. the band are walking around and they're sitting at their merch booth. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are like still my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how frequently it is. I'm kind of not in that scene anymore. I think though the internet has shifted everything. Like if you want to be an artist, like, you know, mm -hmm. setting up your own website, your own Instagram, you can sell your books directly to people. It's like, the, the shows aren't as essential as they used to be and like but you also get a wider audience it, it's kind of a double-edged sword you kind of miss that intimate experience but like you're you can eat more easily get off the ground than hoping that you get you know discovered in like a, a basement in random area of new jersey or something like that absolutely let's keep on rolling along into my next pick which was um garbage truck um, as performed by Sex bob um, but was written by Beck, uh, tied to the Scott Pilgrim series. I'll take you for a ride I'm a garbage truck Oh no i take you to the dump Cause you're my queen Take you uptown um, which I feel was kind of very coming of age for a lot of people my age, um, especially with the movie. Um, and I, you know, something that I think is interesting was that I think the movie came out when there was only like two issues of the of the comic out I, I didn't know that yeah. um yeah where and they were kind of created you know in collaboration which is why i think there's a lot of uh characters in the book that look exactly like they are in the movie <laughs> um but i just remember reading that when i was like 17 years old and being like oh you know this i didn't interpret it the way that you were supposed to because i was like oh scott pilgrim's a cool guy Mm -hmm. um, and he wasn't um, 
but I still think that like there were also a lot of like very good jokes in there, you know, very clever things. And I also really enjoyed uh, the way that the comic used music where um, unfortunately they kind of got cut from the, the movie, but you know, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley would put like, these are the lyrics and these are the chords and you could kind of play along at home to, you know, a song that Scott Pilgrim was playing, mm -hmm. um, which I thought was super badass. And I think that a lot of the music for the movie was very good um, and, you know, very funny. And, um, you know, it's funny when you were describing Sin City before, it made me think a lot about Scott Pilgrim because, Scott Pilgrim definitely kind of tried to do the stylized, we're gonna recreate, you know, the feel of reading a comic, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, no, I, Scott Pilgrim, I've read it and I've seen the movie. It just, uh, it hasn't, you know, stayed with me all these years. I don't, you know, dislike it or anything like that, but I do remember the art being well-researched. I forgot about the lyrics and the chords. That's really cool. And I guess it, like, I remember the art, like where he talks about drawing specific buildings in Canada and stuff like that. So I guess like the, the chords thing makes sense to me. Um, yeah, uh, I will say I'm going to just, this is bad for a podcast, but it was just going into uh, stuff before about going to these small press things and you can meet these artists and, you know, they, they when I was younger, they would, you know, they can say, oh, this is a kid. He's into my work. I'll, I'll do a drawing for him. So I have this thing here by Brian Lee O'Malley from uh, 04 or something like that of him, just a Cyclops drawing that I got at a show. So uh, yeah, so that that's my connection there with that. But uh, I, you know, I love Edgar Wright. I love Baby Driver and like Shaun of the Dead and all that stuff. Um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's keep on rolling along. This was the song that was hardest to find. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find it? Should I send I it over? So. Um, alternate cover by Idle Chatter. Couldn't prevail. The Christmas tree was lit so bright. Stacked high with gifts. It was quite a sight. We each Marvel Comics in general, it's like a Christmas song. Yes. Okay. So I, I saw, I'm like, I have this MP3 from years ago and I found it. I'm like, if when I send this song, let me just make sure it still exists in the world. And I, there's a video on YouTube with like 41 views or that, something that's like that. I watched and I was like, I don't know if this is it. I hope it is. Yes. <laughs> so I just wanted to be something silly. This is it, right? Yes. It's uh, kind of my era of Marvel Comics, like, summed up. So that was actually sung by uh, Joe Casada, who was the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics oh, okay. at the time. And he helped, like, build the industry up from what I was saying, the bankruptcy. They hired him as editor-in-chief in 99, 2000. And they released a bunch of stuff like, you know, like uh, Grant Morrison's X-Men run, uh, Mike Allred and Peter Milligan doing Ecstatics, all these books that, like, like really helped turn the industry around turn, like they were kind of experimental uh and they had to get less experimental once the mo movies got successful they were like we can't have like you know these these risque things in a disney property now but uh th and this this is just a silly 
yeah, they used to put out one song every year around Christmas time. And this was kind of my favorite. I'm like, this is a pretty rocking jam. I still listen to it not around Christmas time. So yeah, it, it was it was very funny because you know, just kind of listening to it, I was like, oh, well, discovering it, I was like, I have no idea what I'm getting into. And like with it being alternate cover and you saying like kind of the MCU in general, I was like, this does seem like it's kind of like an inside baseball sort of song, which mm -hmm. I enjoyed. Um, but I, I just thought it was fun and seemed, you know, seemed very, you know, just kind of poking fun at, you know, every, things about comic books, but also just kind of like, you know, it felt like people in an office getting together and being silly. That, uh, yeah. And again, that was just like, yeah, it's like the, the era of comics you love is the, co is the comics you read in high school, which I'm sure you'll probably think the same, like in the 10 years. And th that was just so that they put out these silly songs around that time. I'm like, I've, I've had it on old brick iPods and I've, I've transferred that MP3 through several computers and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm still rocking out to it, uh, you know, 16 years later. So. That's so funny. I like, I'm very upset that I don't have access to my iPod anymore because <laughs> I had like weird random local bands MP3s mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I loved and now I have no access to. I, I've kept them around. and Yeah, I do get those random songs like, what? Okay, yeah, this is... This, I'll listen to this, sure, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I've done like goose hunts trying to find like <laughs> random things being like, all right, this was a band from Hastings on Hudson in 2008. <laughs> Can I find this song? Yeah, but hey, this was on here. Someone put it on YouTube and they got 41 clicks on it. Good for them. So <laughs> and they haven't taken it down however long got loaded ago. So yeah. I'm probably like five of those clicks <laughs> <laughs> from like prepping. <laughs> Um, but let's wrap this on up sure. with my last pick, which was um, God of Thunder by Kiss. kind of going for the kiss comics but it kind of made me think about comics in general a little bit because kiss are kind of a comic book of a band <laughs> yeah um uh you know i don't know if i've ever read the kiss comics i know that i've wanted to because i've had periods of my life when i was a massive kiss fan um and i always think of i forget who it is but it was someone that was in a metal band that said I first convinced my mom to let me buy Destroyer by Kiss because it looked like the cover of a comic book. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of went with, you know, the most superhero-y feeling song from that album. Out of Thunder, like Thor, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I don't know, I love, you know, I love so many things about Kiss, even though as I've gotten older, I have problems with Kiss. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, I kind of love that they're always kind of a gimmick. And I love that when they were like, oh, we're going to print a comic. They were like, well, we're going to put vials of our own blood in it, which I feel like other people have done since then or may have done before that. But yeah, I think I've heard it in a few things, but I'm not, I can't remember the name of the books or if they're actual real things or just, you know, made up stuff. Yeah. Just being like, we're going to put vials of our blood in the ink and it's going to be cool. I'm like, hell yeah. So 
uh, I figured had to show some love to Kiss. Yeah, I have never read a Kiss comic. I most likely won't, but they have been keeping publishing those comics. I adore Kiss for their love of money. They, they, I have a friend who's into Kiss, and it's like he'll send me like he gets like the email list of like like they're doing a digital concert or something because of COVID and it's like there's $5,000 premium seats like wait you're getting a streaming video for like (laughs) and I'm like all it takes is 10 people to buy that and they made $50,000 so um, I I tweeted about that where I was like kiss because you could get like the basic for $35 and I'm like kiss charging $35 to $5,000 for a live stream is the most kiss thing I've ever yes exactly Um, yeah but yeah, I you know, I I used to be on those emailing lists too, and seeing the product. used to you unsubscribed. I don't think you can. So it, it was a it was an old email address. Oh, okay. Um, that right. I no longer had access to, and then I was like, you know, what? I don't need to sign up for Kiss Army again. <laughs> but yeah, you know, gotta love Kiss. I, I like Kiss because I like people who like Kiss, <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of the music, but I mean, like music, like I like Chuck Klosterman, I like uh, yeah. Paul Westerberg, you know, just big Kiss fans, and uh, so that's that's what my feelings of Kiss, you know. Yeah, I always come back to Klosterman stuff on Kiss, just because, you know, if there's one guy that knows everything about Kiss, it is him. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, he does, he, he makes me feel smart for having had periods of my life when I loved Kiss. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Well, Rory, those were all the songs. Do you have any, um, like, uh, now I, COVID's getting to me. Uh, oh, no. Do you have any honorable You can make it. We're almost done, man. We're almost done. Thanks it. for sticking it out. Do you have any honorable mentions? Oh God, no. I, 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 it was a struggle for me. And then there was like, I would think of things later after I sent it to you. I'm like, ah, no, I can't, I'm not going to go back. I'm just <laughs> going blink test, just going with my gut on this. Um, but yeah, no, no, nothing off the top of my head. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, uh, comic recommendations? Uh, geez. That, uh, uh, I'm just looking to my right here. I have, I'm reading the immortal Hulk. I I'm enjoying that a lot. It's, um, an ongoing series of just like, Hulk in like this gothic horror thing where like he becomes the Hulk at night and, and he doesn't die or something like that. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. I like kind of like the uh, that, but uh, I like I said, I just like uh, geeking out with you for an hour and a half, just uh, just talking comics um, and yeah, music. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. of the day in the shade of the sun we rode down another vision of us we were the challenges of this has been a lug hole podcast